This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. It's now 9.35am on Wednesday, the 6th of April. You know, it's time for the SNM show. This is, of course, the show about what's working and what's not in markets. I'm Melissa Idris, here with me, Ibrahim Sani and Julian Ng. So this week's show, we're going to focus um, all about cap- corporate and shareholder action today. Uh, we'll, we'll be looking at AirAsia's placement and also Sona Petroleum's capital repayment. Let's kick it off with AirAsia. So they are issuing about 1 billion ringgit worth of shareholders and this would raise the shareholding levels of Tony Fernandez and uh, Kamaruddin Muranon, which are the two founders of AirAsia, from just a touch under 19% to 32.5%. Uh, one of the complaints that, be, that is being put forward is that uh, this is actually unfair to minority, minority shareholders. Because this will dilute um, their EPS. So, I mean... and. and I'm sure that's one of the biggest complaints. But what we've seen following the announcement is the share price has rallied since. Yesterday was one of the most active um, stocks, the biggest gainer. This morning, we're also seeing a lot of movement on AirAsia as well as its warrants. Uh, that, that's on AirAsia X. X. Uh, oh, but sorry, AirAsia X. itself, also a lot of activity, mm-hmm. especially over the past few days. That's right. In fact, but, but the core question right now is, at least it was raised by the edge, uh, is that these kind of placements usually happen for companies that are normally in distress or in trouble. Uh, but the operating cash flows for uh, AirAsia is pretty good. The gearing ratio for AirAsia is okay within the levels of analysts' expectations. Then why then are they uh, opting for this route of improving on the capitalization and the cash value of the uh, company instead of, say, other ways of doing things like other, rights issues and other so Other fundraising. Yeah. yeah. So the the thing about my um, placements, right, I actually, a lot of companies do placements, uh, but placements is all about issuing new shares and passing it on to whoever the places are. In this case, the placement happens to be with uh, Tony Fernandez, the camera de Murano. So it's, it's a case where you don't, actually offer uh, the shares on an equal playing field, on a level playing field to the minority shareholders. You're issuing it to just two of the main founding shareholders. And that's why uh, people are complaining about the unfairness of the whole thing. Whereas if you actually wanted to raise one billion bucks, you can... Um, issue that to everybody, um, meaning uh, you go through the roots of, root of a rights issue. Well, what are the pros and cons of that? Okay, so, I mean, I'm sure there are many different ways of fundraising, but they chose to do the placement with some pros and cons in mind. What if they had gone down the rights issue road? Well, the placement is much faster. You can just place it out. You can just say, you know, I, I issue it to you and it's, uh, it's a process that is a lot cheaper to carry out. You don't have to go through the investment banks um, and you get your money a lot faster. But with the rights issue, I guess uh, the cons is that it takes a slower time. Um, you got to go pay the investment bank to do that. Although... Um, compared with the size of uh, the billion bucks that's being raised, maybe the investment banking fees are not that much. Uh, but I think the issue with the rice issue is time. 
Uh, but rights issues are a lot fairer. You're offering the same thing to everybody, including uh, Tony Fernandez and Kamarudin. Yeah, one of the core issues right now, either way, so whether or not you would do rights issue or placement, uh, I think is also on managing the debt. But I don't know whether that argument is enough because the, the high debt uh, that they have right now, um, significant loans of it is in USD. Uh, so it's going to be uh, susceptible to uh, FX risk um, and also some market swings on FX translations. Uh, the gearing ratio would be right now about 2.29 times. Uh, if the post-placement uh, happens, an estimate given by Maybank Investment right now puts it at 2.05 times. So an, a good argument for, uh, say, Dan Maranon and Tony Fernandez to make is that we, if we make placement uh, right now, uh, we can bring the gearing ratio very fast uh, from 2.2 or 2.3 to 2. And, and that is, is an argument that is made by them. But I don't know whether that is a strong enough argument for them to choose placement well, over rights issue. I mean, if you... If you accelerate the speed of uh, raising funds, uh, it might save a little bit of interest costs, but the debt reduction argument can also be made for a rights issue, right? For, yeah. for rights issue uh, instead of placement. So both have got debt reducing uh, qualities uh, to, to the moves. But, you know, just, interestingly, just looking at the debt level of AirAsia, um, 2.3 times, as you mentioned, down to two times post fundraising. Uh, that's a very high gearing ratio compared to other major airlines. For example, Singapore Airlines is in net cash. Um, of course, you, you can't really compare to Singapore Airlines. Uh, they've been in the business for decades and they are in the full service business. Yeah, it's um, a different category. Cathay Airlines is actually in a debt situation about 90%. Uh, that's slightly uh, more than half of AirAsia's debt situation. But Ryanair, Ryanair is the pioneer of budget airlines in Europe. Uh, they have a net cash situation. Wow. That's unbelievable. Wow. That's so I got an SMS coming from my friend. He says that uh, the reason why Tony chooses placement and not rights issue is because Tony doesn't want to give Nazi any more money. Of course, <laughs> you know. Speculation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, that's speculation. Uh, we're not sure we're not, how much of loans <laughs> uh, from AirAsia goes to, to CIMB. Uh, in fact, the CIMB actually was not involved in um, the IPO process because um, RHB was one of the early funders of, uh, of AirAsia, right? Yeah, but, but, but that's, why, that's why they, they got the IPO. And, and secondly, um, uh, we know also that... Um, they work very closely with um, Libra, the ECM Libra ECM group of people. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough, the chairman, if I'm mistaken, is coming in for Breakfast Grill, right? Uh, Kalimullah. Uh, okay. But yeah, having said that, um, uh, what this text is coming from is that rights placement uh, requires the involvement of a bank, while placement doesn't have to have that uh, heavy involvement. Uh, okay, I'm, that, I'm that. hearing the pros and cons, but... My, I mean, why I'm a little bit baffled is how come there's n not been any kind of outrage on the minority shareholder part? They, why aren't they questioning, you know, why did you choose this fundraising route? Um, because I've been denied the opportunity to subscribe to new shares. That, that's a very good question. And I think this stems from the rumours of privatisation that we're seeing, right? Uh, and the placement is an extension of that privatisation argument or game that is being played 
Um, recall earlier that The Edge reported roping in a Chinese entity called China Everbright to help them privatize AirAsia. But AirAsia, um, I think it will be too expensive to privatize. Buying up all the unowned shares by Tony Fernandez alone is about 5 billion ringgit. And then you have to assume another 10 billion ringgit worth of debt. So that is a very expensive route to take. But a private uh, placement would be a much cheaper route because it only costs about 1 billion. But then mm-hmm. again, you know, does Tony Fernandez have uh, and, and Camarade <laughs> Morano have one billion bucks? Because Forbes lists uh, Tony Fernandez's net worth at about two hundred over two hundred million US dollars, um, and that's equivalent to about a billion ringgit. Would you spend a billion ringgit or maybe half a billion ringgit a piece, right, uh, between Tony and Camarade uh, to fund this placement? Well, this this placement is. Um all coming up from the fact that Tony thinks that the stock is undervalued and he says he wants to put his money where his mouth is, right? I think there was quoted in The Edge uh, Weekly that uh, he said, look, AirAsia is his baby. He wants to make sure that he's committed to the baby. He wants to show that he's committed to his baby. And how else would he show it than putting his money where his mouth is? Yeah, but one still can't help wondering uh, whether, you know, it's, it's also an advantage to have other shareholders propping up the share price for you. You don't necessarily have to uh, cough out one billion on your own uh, just to prove that it is your baby. But I guess um, Tony might be calling his shareholders bluff because for the longest time the share pr- price has been languishing so right now he's saying if you don't buy it I will you know <laughs> but uh, I guess uh, people are saying that rights issue could be a fairer thing still um, if this rights issue uh, this um, this placement goes through this would raise the uh, combined the founders combined stake from just under 19 percent to 32.4 percent that's just under the 33.3 percent of the mandatory general offer threshold. That's Which would right. be very expensive. Yeah. So, um, so this whole uh, you know taking a shade, taking it a shade under the MGO uh, means that it can be uh, avoiding some sort of terror, uh, terror, uh, terror. Uh, <laughs> some sort of uh, uh, I'd say a whip coming. Um, uh, the, the making, whip is not here. Making the MGO uh, a little bit less uh, of an expensive route uh, because if you think about MGO, uh, it can be very expensive. Uh, the same way China Everbright was mentioned, uh, you know, fifteen billion uh, ringgit being brought into question. So it's one of those crafty corporate exercises that Tony's doing right now. But I'm just wondering, right, uh, this is a bet that is being made personally by uh, Tony Fernandez and gang. Do you think it's a good bet, though? Because a lot of the fortunes of AirAsia is so dependent on other things, on all prices, on the ringgit and so on. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they've had a good time now because all prices are so low. But how long can depressed all prices um, prop up the company's good fortunes? Mm-hmm. In fact, if you look at it uh, this way, I mean, all price relief uh, does provide some sort of good runway for them. Uh, the Kega growth between... <laughs> I sense a lot of puns coming your yeah. way. <laughs> By Kega growth, uh, tenure revenue of uh, the cumulative, uh, uh, cumulative uh, average growth rate for uh, the oil price is about 26%. And this is because of a strong GDP and propensity uh, for requirements of this uh, commodity. But we know, you know, just this morning, uh, prices actually went down to $35 per barrel. So I think the whole, you know, commodity glad, uh, the supply glad that is happening right now. Uh, and, and there is no future for OPEC trying to come to an agreement. That kind of stuff, right? I guess that may help. Uh, Tony in some way uh, one or another. Who who would have known, right? The Saudis and uh, Iran are Tony Fernandez's allies <laughs> and this whole thing of propping up the earnings of helping the earnings of AirAsia and AirAsia Rex. 9.46 now. We'll be back with more SNM in just a few minutes on BFM 89.9.
Good morning. It's now 9.47am on Wednesday the 6th of April. You're listening to The SNM Show. Okay, I'm Melissa Idris, Julian Ng and Ibrahim Sani here with me. We spoke about AirAsia's um, placement a little bit earlier. Let's take a look at Sona, Capital, Sona Petroleum's capital repayment because there's some controversy happening there. They, they're set to have an EGM um, where shareholders are expected to uh, vote for whether they can uh, by a qualifying asset. However, just a few days before, they said management of Sona Petroleum proposed a capital repayment of up to 80 million ringgit to shareholders on the condition that they approve the qualifying asset. They had to postpone their EGM um, because they had they held one uh, a few days ago, I think, uh, and they're saying that, hey, we're going to give you more time to look through this deal because it's a very sweet deal and uh, the EGM is going to ha- be had about 30 days later from March the 30th. Yeah, you know, this capital repayment is also known as MSG or SALT or whatever you call it. MSG? And, uh, to make the <laughs> flavoring, thing, but, yeah, flavoring. Feels, you know, to add you know, some sort of sweetener to the deal. I don't think but MSG is a sweetener. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about like the artificial sweetener. Yeah, that's artificial sweetener. Okay. But uh, I think the the fact remains that they they made this statement three working days before the EGM and the shareholders are asking, we need more time to understand this um, and to, you know, better... I don't think it's the shareholders that are asking. They are giving... You know, they're, they're like pleading to the shareholders, right? They're saying, yeah. hey, look into this. When you, you grill yeah, them, we Yeah, right? we got them yeah. on record as yeah. well. You can oh. download that breakfast grill uh, just head on to bfm.my search for Sona it's actually a plead uh, you know uh, Datuk Chao Subun basically <laughs> saying you know the stag oil feels is fantastic you I remember that yeah there you go so so this you slipped it in right at the very last minute <laughs> this kind of uh, you know capital uh, uh, requirement means that uh, it's actually best of both worlds uh, uh, Sona will gain uh, supposedly uh, <laughs> Sona will gain the uh, the asset and therefore continue its life and existence on this planet and uh, the shareholders will get 80 million uh, shared between themselves. So how can they do that? Is it because the asset is cheap? Is that why? Do they have enough money to give both cash and buy the asset? Well, they have about half a million, half a billion rather uh, ringgit in their bank account and they're only going to spend about 80 million uh, giving back that capital and and that 80 million is enough to give you a yield of about 15%. So that's not too bad. So the best of both worlds is when you get the yield, you get an immediate dividend yield as well as you get to participate in that asset, asset. Uh, the earnings growth of the asset if you believe that that asset is going to be a good buy. Okay, so what does it signal to you that management came up three days before, three working days before the EGM and said, hey, hey we're going to give you a sweetener. What do you think they were expecting the vote to go the other way? The problem and the underlying problem with Sona and any specs for that matter is the QA. Now, they said that Stag Petroleum is so great Right, and they they're willing to pay fifty million US dollars for this property. Then the you know as he came back and and uh, Stag Oil uh, Field, uh, and then they they uh, Securities Commission said it was too expensive. Immediately they said, oh, we got a fifty percent discount on this uh, very good property, a very good asset. Uh, you know, so that alone rings some bell. I mean, if if you know the, the shoes that is you, you want to buy your shoe or a dress is so expensive, so good. Suddenly the shop offers you a fifty percent discount. You really have to beg the question, is it really that valuable now? But that is free, is it? Yeah, it's very different from shoes because uh, the volatility of oil price really complicates the whole situation. So uh, that negotiation process uh, is really complicated. 
because of that volatile oil price. And I think SC was right uh, to question the valuation of that asset. Now, again, so that's marker number one. Marker number two, if you, have fir- if you firmly believe that the qualifying asset is so great, why do you think there is a need for you to add a sweetener to the deal of 80 million capital requirements? Precisely because of the complication in oil prices, right? Uh, when SPACs, uh, the structure of SPACs was created uh, many years back, uh, oil prices was at its... Uh, Over $100, actually. In its heyday, right? Yeah. So it was attractive. And uh, when we interviewed um, Ranjit Singh, uh, who's the chief of the Securities Commission recently, the sp- structure of the SPAC is actually to allow people like you and me to participate in a private equity sort of scheme, yeah. right? Which... Uh, was in the past only available to very rich people, right? We don't we don't get to participate in uh, uh, PE funds. The problem is that this is a very specialized PE fund uh, for oil Oil businesses. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, let's put a pin in the qualifying asset and let's take a look at the type of shareholders that are participating in this SPAC, okay? Because if it went the other way, if shareholders voted no uh, for the sweetener and the qualifying asset, then they would get the full trust money, right? So rather than just a capital repayment of $0.07, they would get $0.47 which is way above um, what they paid for in the first place. Absolutely. So uh, going back to the shareholder clientele or so-called shareholder branding, it used to be growth, right? The, reason, the only reason why you would have bought into a SPAC long time ago, a few years back, would be because you want to take risks with the hope of getting back high returns. But today, since the crash of the oil price, uh, some people have taken advantage on the promise that they would be repaid their investments in full what's in the trust account and those are some of the provisions that the Securities Commission has made to protect shareholders. Some people are taking advantage of that uh, because they bought the you know Sona at let's say below 40 cent with the hope of getting back 47 cent and that represents a very good return to them. These shareholders don't want to participate in the qualifying asset because to them the oil sector could be risky. Now because of the you know we can even say it's risk-free investment in an oil and gas sector so how sexy is that, right? Yeah. And, and it, it's also very sexy. That should too. be on the brochure. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, of any specs for that matter. But, uh, you know, this appeal is actually uh, very, uh, this this proposition is very appealing to not just, uh, you know, retail investors like you and me, but also institutional investors. And that's where Sona has a problem because right now they have Pacific Alliance uh, in their, uh, as an institutional investor. In fact, they upped their stake uh, in Sona Petroleum last month. Uh, Sona also has Credit Suisse uh, uh, a PE uh, as uh, they are uh, uh, institutional investor as well. So together, if Credit Suisse and Pacific and Pacific Alliance gang up and say they will vote down on the qualifying asset, that's good enough for them to get that for you know seven or eight cent uh, per forty cent investment that they invest in. It is definitely uh, those two institutional investors would hold sway to the decision of whether to vote for the yes for the QA or not. But I am feeling that uh, I think Sona would definitely have had meetings with these institutional investors to court the vote and I think this has resulted in that sweetener deal that is being proposed right now I'm not surprised uh, credits, people like Credit Suisse and Pacific Alliance having access to a lot of inf- information doing a lot of an analysis saying that perhaps this may be a good time to invest in the oil asset especially when they have got uh, gotten a 50% discount for that asset right it may not be a bad idea and at the same time getting some dividends back from that deal 
Well, they have a responsibility to get whatever is the best deal. So I don't know which way they'll vote. So when is the EGM again? Is it a month from, from yeah, now? It's going to be happening this month, uh, but uh, it's not announced yet, the, the date. But there, there is also, I think, what is known to be a prisoner's dilemma because the capital repayment is subject to how many yes votes there are. The more no votes there are, the less the capital repayment would be. So there, there is a, a uh, something like a compulsion to vote no even if you feel that the QA is going to be attractive because that would give you back the maximum uh, yeah. money. Yeah. Right? Well, man, this is tough. This is going to be a tough one. I don't know. I don't know. Which way do you think it'll go? Well, I mean, we're not making any recommendations, but which way do you think it'll go? I think it'll pass. I think this is all drama. What would you vote though? I would vote for yes. You see, because th what's the implication, right? If you vote for yes, you're going to make a, a direct investment in an oil and gas firm. This company yeah, right now... Yeah, but it's like it's... I mean, you can say that. No, it's not your money. No, right now, right now, it, it's, <laughs> right now, it's a spec, right? Meaning it's a startup. Yes, they have half a billion dollars in the trust fund, but generally speaking, they are still a startup. What... If I vote yes, and if I believe that argument that Stag Oilfield, even though it's you know garnered a fifty percent off, or, but it's you know very good, you know it can give very good yield production, and I'm I'm completely devoid of the fact that the world doesn't need any more oil, I would vote for yes because this is going to make uh, me an investor in an oil and gas firm. When oh, was the okay. given opportunity I, to do that? I'm inclined to agree with Ibrahim um, because I, I that alone is a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so I, I think uh, your calendars. <laughs> um, I think perhaps it may be a, the right time to make a bet on the oil and gas sector. So, um, given that uh, SPACs is supposed to be managed by people in the know, right? That these guys are industry players. They they know how to make good of a certain ag um, of a certain um, asset, oil asset. So. Maybe it's a good time to bet on the oil and gas sector. And at the same time, I'm getting back some money, some okay, yield, right? Okay, Job, so I have to ask, does the sweetener come into play? If the, if the management didn't offer that sweetener, would you still say, hold this opinion? Maybe not. Yeah, you, so the sweetener you, really you sweetened the You give me plain white rice, yeah. you know. You want a bit of curry Yeah, two curry lah. You know, 18 million worth of curry. Right. Okay, it's now 9.57am. You've been listening to The SNM Show. With Julian Ng, Ibrahim Sani, and I'm Melissa Idris. The 10 o'clock news is next on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.